five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from London, England is consultant nephrologist and general physician, Dr. Taryn Pyle. Together, we will be addressing the myths and misconceptions about pregnancy and chronic kidney disease. Dr. Taryn has participated in a renal pre-pregnancy counselling service together with obstetric and obstetric medicine teams, which aims to give women together with their partners and families individualised information and guidance around pregnancy with kidney disease. Dr. Taryn also provides a liaison service to the obstetric medicine team for women with kidney disease who have become pregnant. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Dr. Taryn? Oh, I'm good. Thank you, Dee. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to interview you today. I tell you, it was a, quite a challenge sorting out the sound today. It was like pressing lots of buttons, what we got there in the end. And I must say, I'm really looking forward to this interview today because pregnancy and CKD is an area that there is a lot of questions around and there is a lot of myths and misconceptions. And this is going to be the theme of today. We're going to be looking at myths and misconceptions about CKD and pregnancy. And actually what we're going to do is we're going to do a two-part interview. And so part one today, we're looking at the myths and misconceptions. And part two, we're going to do a listener-led episode where we're going to invite you, the listener, to send in your questions about pregnancy and CKD. So let's kick off. And yes, let's look at misconceptions and myths about pregnancy and CKD. And so for me, the first one would be, is a woman who has chronic kidney disease able to get pregnant? So, yes, thank you. And uh, thank you for the invite to participate in this podcast. I'm really honoured and privileged to be invited and very excited to be able to share my knowledge and passion about this subject. Is this the right time to say that I just wanted to say that this area of renal medicine is highly individualised? It's a very specialist area, talking about CKD and pregnancy. And so a lot of what I'll say today is quite general and should not be taken as advice, direct advice to specific patients. And everyone who has CKD or some sort of kidney disease and continuing a pregnancy needs to speak to their own doctors and their own medical teams for their unique individual advice and plan. So I just wanted to start with that. So I think that's really important. Very important disclaimer. So yes, can a patient with CKD get pregnant or should they get pregnant? I mean, it's a very common question. And for most women with childbearing age, the misconception that a patient with CKD, chronic kidney disease, 
can't get pregnant is just not true. However, many women, in particular in the past, have been told by their doctors, your kidney disease is too severe, don't ever get pregnant, you can't get pregnant, you can't have children. And in recent years, in the clinic that I um, work in, we've looked after pregnant women with chronic kidney disease, with lots of unique kidney diseases, glomerular diseases, lupus, patients who've got pregnant as they're approaching dialysis in that sort of low clearance or advanced kidney care clinic setting. We've had patients who get pregnant then. We've had patients who got pregnant on dialysis. It's very rare, but it happens. And we have lots of patients who get pregnant once they've had a transplant. And it is certainly possible. However, there is an increased risk for kidney patients and for all kidney patients. And so therefore planning a pregnancy is probably one of the most important things a woman and her family can do if they're thinking about a pregnancy. And with careful planning, a lot of women with kidney disease can get pregnant and have a healthy baby. I mentioned that there is an increased risk. So what is that risk? Like why do kidney patients have an increased risk? And the main risk is linked to a condition called preeclampsia. So preeclampsia is a condition that only occurs in pregnancy, doesn't occur any other time. It usually happens in the second half of a pregnancy and it's characterized by high blood pressure and protein leak, which is obviously something a lot of kidney patients already have. And because it only occurs in pregnancy, the only way to cure it is to deliver the baby. So how preeclampsia can affect a baby is it depends on when you get it in that second part of a pregnancy. So the complications, the most common complication of preeclampsia is prematurity and some of the complications that can come from that. So that baby's born too early and the complications that can come with that. And another complication of preeclampsia is that preeclampsia affects the placenta and that therefore results in small babies babies being small. Very rarely and devastatingly, if preeclampsia occurs really early in that pregnancy, the pregnancy may not survive or the baby is born but doesn't survive because they're born too young. However, most people who get preeclampsia, even if they've got kidney disease, get it later on in the pregnancy when the baby's mature and old enough to be born and we can deliver the baby and the baby's well and the mother is well. And as I said, because the only treatment for preeclampsia is delivering the baby, that we don't have any fancy medications for it, we can control the blood pressure for a period of time and we can keep people in hospital. And sometimes there's a gap between immature baby or the fetus is immature. And if, but if we give it a week or two weeks, it's enough time for that baby to be mature enough to survive and have a good outcome. But we have to balance that against the risk for the mother. And that can be quite tricky. Now, the risk for the mum is that preeclampsia can make you very, very sick. And that's why we end up delivering mothers who have preeclampsia. And for kidney patients, it can result in a decline in your kidney function. So that could be permanent. And for some women, that can just be a small jump in their function or a bigger jump in their function. And then their function stabilizes after the pregnancy. But for a group of women, if it's very severe, it could cause the kidneys to stop working. And for some women, for example, the example I gave you of patients preparing for dialysis anyway, they're in that phase of their kidney journey, they're preparing for dialysis. 
and they fall pregnant, they may end up on dialysis as a result of the pregnancy. Yes, but that for, for most people, that risk is quite low. But there is that risk. And I think in particular for transplant patients, that is a big concern. What is my risk of ending up being back on dialysis because I have a pregnancy? And for most patients, the risk is small, but there. It's higher than your average population risk of ending up on dialysis as a result of a pregnancy. But it is there, but it's individual to the patient. So obviously, if you start the pregnancy and your kidney function is not that good, then you've got more risk of ending up on dialysis as a result of the pregnancy. And so that brings me to one of the points about planning is that the worse your kidney function is, the greater your risk is of preeclampsia. So as your creatinine gets worse, your risk of preeclampsia gets more. And therefore, your risk of having a premature baby or a small baby or of damage to your kidneys or needing dialysis just progresses as the creatinine gets higher or the kidney function gets worse. And similarly, if as you get older, your risk for preeclampsia gets worse. So increasing age and increasing creatinine or a drop in EGFR, some people, that's your estimate of how well your kidney is functioning. Some Consultants don't speak in creatinines, they speak in glomerular filtration rates. And those go down as your creatinine goes up. So as your function worsens, your risk for preeclampsia goes up. So you might say, well, obviously then, the earlier you get pregnant, the better, because for most people, their kidney diseases are progressive. And therefore, the earlier you get pregnant, you're going to have a better creatinine and you're younger. So your risk of preeclampsia is less. So for a lot of the time, that's what we are advising people is as soon as you can, go for it if your creatinine is stable and you're happy with the risks. But for other people, that might not be right. Because, for example, if you are about to go onto dialysis, we might say to you, your risk of preeclampsia is quite high. But if you've already got a live donor set up, why don't you, and let's say you're 25, go off and have your transplant. And come back to the pre-pregnancy counseling clinic when you've had a transplant and your kidney function is good. And those risks are much less now than they were when you were just about to go on to dialysis. And another group of people, if your kidney disease is not well controlled, so this is particular for lupus patients. So we know that your risk of preeclampsia is higher if you've had a flare in your lupus in the previous six months, or if you've got nephrotic syndrome and you're still nephrotic and your disease is not controlled, your risk of preeclampsia is higher. So therefore, we would say, actually, wait until those conditions are controlled first before you think of falling pregnant. And if you have diabetes and your diabetes is not well controlled, then again, the better control you have of your diabetes, the less chance you have of risks from the diabetes and for preeclampsia. So it may be better to give yourself six months or a year to get everything under control before you start, as that will decrease your risk of preeclampsia. So you can see how it becomes very individual to the patient, because then you've also got to take in their individual circumstances. Is it the right time for them to fall pregnant now? Some women only want to fall pregnant with a life partner. Other people don't. But the, all those things have to be brought into our very individual planning. And that's why we recommend that women give themselves lots of time to think about it.
and their families and their partners. We always recommend partners come to the pre-pregnancy counseling clinic because they need to understand all the nuances about it. But those are the sort of things we're looking at. Your kidney function, where you are in your journey, what's your fertility likely to be? You know, if you're 39, your fertility window is going to be smaller than if you're 21. And so all of these things come into play in how we plan for a pregnancy. And then, of course, you need to think of the medications that you're on. Yes. So one of the other misconceptions is that I can't fall pregnant because of X, Y, and Z. So I can't fall pregnant because I'm on this drug. My doctor told me I can't fall pregnant because I'm on, in particular, mycophenolate. And this is a semantics issue. It's one of my bugbears (laughs) because (laughs) patients have been told they can't fall pregnant on MMF. And the the issue is that they can fall pregnant. They just should not fall pregnant. Right. Because mycophenolate, along with some other medications, are what we call teratogenic, which means they can cause harm to the baby. So mycophenolate in particular is a problem in the first trimester, so the first 12 weeks of the pregnancy. And therefore, we always try and switch patients who are planning a pregnancy off the mycophenolate three months before they want to try so that we can take the medication off, put them on an alternative that's safe and make sure they tolerate it, that their kidneys remain stable and that the MMF is not in their system. And then we usually give people, if they're on MMF, a green light to fall pregnant. Other drugs, so some of the blood pressure tablets are also what we call teratogenic. So in particular, the ACE inhibitors and the androtensin receptor blockers, which a huge amount of kidney patients are on. So these are things like ramipril, enalapril, herbosata, and those type of medications. Now, we used to stop them in all patients if they were wanted to fall pregnant. They are only a problem in the second trimester. And actually for a lot of women, it's actually good to keep them on them until they're pregnant because they control their blood pressure really well and they control the proteinuria very well. So those ones need to be stopped in the second trimester. So we normally advise that once you're pregnant, then you stop it. But again, you can see how the planning is so important. And in particular, if you're on medications such as mycophenolate, immunosuppressants, or other specialist medications, we need to think about when is the right time for you to stop it? How much time do we need to stop it? And then give you the go ahead. So the other thing that people say, I can't fall pregnant, is I can't fall pregnant because I'm on dialysis. And so the story around your fertility and dialysis is that we unfortunately know that, again, as your kidney function worsens, your fertility worsens. So there's been studies done showing that the amount of eggs your ovaries can produce, your what we call ovarian reserve, decreases as your kidney function gets worse and is obviously at its worst when you are on dialysis. And a lot of dialysis patients will tell us that they don't have any periods and that's an indication that they're not ovulating. And it's very rare for patients to fall pregnant on dialysis, but they do. As we've heard on this podcast, one of our guests who was on dialysis fell pregnant. So yes, we definitely know it's true. (laughs) It does happen. Yeah, absolutely, Dee. And so as with all of kidney patients who, if you're on dialysis and you are having a period, 
even if it's not that regular, you are probably ovulating and therefore you are at risk of falling pregnant. And so together with all the other CKD patients, you really should be on some form of formal contraception. So another misconception in the world, not just in CKD, is that condoms are an effective form of contraception. And from a doctor looking after patients who are potentially vulnerable, I don't think it is. So (laughs) from our perspective, from our perspective, we counsel in the clinic all the time that the withdrawal method we often get told is what people are using as their form of contraception or condoms. We don't consider formal contraception and we would much prefer people to be on one of the three formal forms of contraception, which I will tell you about. And the reason for this is that there are studies that show that in perfect use with couples that know each other very well, there is still a high risk of people falling pregnant using condoms. And if you're a kidney patient, I've just explained in quite a lot of detail how important it is to plan a pregnancy. And if you fall pregnant and you are on a drug such as mycophenolate, it becomes a very difficult discussion. It's one you don't want to have. So there are lots of safe forms of contraception. So in the form of progesterone-only pill, the marina coil, or an implant. Some people think, another misconception, they can't have the pill if they are a kidney patient. But you can have the progesterone-only pill the mini pill, we sometimes call it, not the combined pill. The combined pill is the pill that kidney patients should not be on. So they very safely can be on the progesterone-only pill. And that's good if you, for example, planning on falling pregnant in six months' time and you want to just stop it and become fertile. But if you want longer, more sustainable contraception, or you don't like taking your tablets every day, or you don't want another pill to add to your burden, or you are worried about missing a pill, then the implant or the coil are much more reliable and again can be taken out and then you become fertile. And obviously, again, this is individual. Some people do well much better with different types of contraception. And that should be discussed usually with your GP. And so unfortunately, it's not something we do in in the kidney clinics. And it would be nice if we were able to provide everyone with their contraception as well. So it's either done through your GP or local family planning. And your medical team, your kidney team should be able to provide you with a letter saying that you're safe to have the mini pill or a coil or an implant if people aren't happy to do it straight away. So about the fertility window, as you increase with age, increased with CKD and some of your medications are patients who've been on for example, cyclophosphamide in the past, that may have affected their fertility. So what I wanted to say about the counselling clinics is that the role of those counselling clinics is not to tell a patient if they can or can't fall pregnant. It's to give them and their families as much information to inform them as best as they can about their risks and about their circumstances and to try and plan the best time if they want to proceed after they've had all the information. And as I said, it's best to speak to your team as early as possible. Wow, there's a lot there to think about and consider every step of the way of the pregnancy. But rewinding slightly, if somebody does have fertility problems, what kind of treatments 
as a CKD patient can they consider? Thank you. That's a that's a great question. So firstly, I just wanted to say I mentioned dialysis patients and in your CKD journey, your fertility is probably going to be at its lowest ebb when you are a dialysis patient. And historically, we have said to people, do not fall pregnant when you're on dialysis because your risk of preeclampsia is the highest then because your function is the worst. But maybe not worried about it as much because it is, as we discussed, quite rare for people to fall pregnant on dialysis. However, there is a group in Canada that ran a study to try and see if they could affect fertility by giving daily dialysis. So they Mm. provided daily dialysis to their dialysis patients. And this was a lot of dialysis. When I'm talking about daily dialysis, I mean a lot. It's sort of four to six, maybe even more hours of dialysis a day. It was mostly delivered as home dialysis patients in their dialysis cohort. And they found they were able to improve people's fertility by doing that, by giving really good, high quality, good duration dialysis. And people did fall pregnant. And then they continued the daily dialysis throughout the pregnancy and they had good outcomes. Mm. So... There are a group of patients whereby they are not going to be able to get a transplant for a number of reasons, either because of their primary disease or they don't have a donor, or there are a few reasons why women might not be able to have a transplant. And for those women, this is an option where we trial them on daily dialysis, but they have to understand, you know, it's a huge commitment to a lot of hours of dialysis, but that can possibly improve their fertility. And then If you do fall pregnant while you're on dialysis or you fall pregnant through this type of mechanism, you have to continue the daily dialysis. And that's important because the uremic toxins, so the toxins that the kidney is unable to clear, we know are dangerous to a baby. So we have to give you daily dialysis to slowly clear those toxins and allow the baby to grow well. And similarly, a group of patients who, if I go back to that patient about to end up on dialysis, in the AKCC low clearance clinic, who's planning for dialysis, finds out they're pregnant. We often need to start dialysis in those patients during the pregnancy, not for maternal or for mother reasons, but for baby reasons to keep those toxin levels down and keep the baby safe. And then when some of these patients, they have the baby and they come off dialysis afterwards. So I have a a lady who we managed like this at the beginning of the year, and she delivered in May and she's still not had to go back onto dialysis. So that's how we can use dialysis. However, most of the patients who have fertility issues are not in this group of patients and can have what we call assisted conception or fertility treatment. Now, again, it depends on where you are in your journey, when the right time is to look for assisted conception or fertility treatment. So ideally, it's when your disease is stable and we think it's a good time for you to fall pregnant. Fertility itself, fertility treatment and IVF has been shown to have an increased risk of preeclampsia. So it might increase your risk a little bit, but it looks like that risk is mainly associated with fresh cycle embryo transfer. So what that means is you get given the medication to stimulate your ovaries. They take the eggs out. They fertilize the eggs and form an embryo and fresh cycle IVF means the eggs go back in that same cycle of your period. And because of 
the massive amount of hormones in your body from the stimulation drugs and now the potential to be pregnant, you're at higher risk of a condition called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome or just preeclampsia. So for chronic kidney disease patients, we now strongly recommend that they don't have fresh cycle embryo transfer, but frozen cycle. So you have the stimulation drugs, you take out the eggs, they get fertilized, and then they get frozen. And you allow your body to sort of calm down after the stimulation treatment, and then they get put back a few months later. And it's as successful as fresh cycle, and you've got much less chance of getting ovarian hyperstimulation and preeclampsia. So we would recommend that in terms of fertility treatment. And we would also highly recommend that people do not have more than one embryo implanted. Because if you increase your risk of twins, if you have more than one embryo implanted, and twins just increase the risk of everything that I've spoken about. I really don't want to be dealing with a twin pregnancy. (laughs) But the other thing I'd say about fertility treatment is in particular, if you're older, the NHS usually recommends that couples try for a year before they get referred for fertility treatment. But we often recommend for our patients, depending on their situation, that they try for six months and then start the fertility treatment. Because just in terms of if we know that their renal function in a year's time is going to be worse, it just increases their risks in a year. So we shouldn't wait. So we may give them a little bit of time to try naturally and then start the process because it can be a difficult process. And I'm not sure if the listeners know this, but whether your fertility treatment will be funded is unique to where you live. So each funding body or CCG, so the clinical commissioning groups, will have different rules about who they give for fertility treatment. But your GP will generally know those rules and they will have to refer you. People can go privately if they want. And if they need to self-fund, they can go privately. We would always recommend that going to an assisted conception unit that is attached to an NHS hospital, preferably one with a kidney unit, because they would be much more used to dealing with kidney patients trying to fall pregnant. And even if you're doing it privately, all the big assisted conception units associated with NHS hospitals do private work as well. And once again, they're in a much better position. They understand the diseases better. They've got links into the hospital with the kidney doctors, the obstetric doctors, etc. So we definitely recommend an NHS-associated assisted conception unit. But it is possible, and we do have quite a few patients who need fertility treatment in order to fall pregnant. So I suppose one of the next questions, and that leads us on to, we often get asked whether patients assume that they're going to need a cesarean section. Right. And again, this is really not necessarily true. And even for a kidney transplant patient, we would recommend that they try for a natural delivery. However, it is true that you're more likely to need an induction or a cesarean section if you are a kidney patient because of medical complications in your pregnancy. But generally, our recommendation is that you try for a natural delivery. We also get asked quite a few questions about where you should have your baby. If your kidney function is very good and you've got very mild CKD, it's usually very safe for you to have your baby in your local obstetric unit. And the obstetric medicine networks across the country are increasing. And in a lot of hospitals, there are 
obstetricians who've got a special interest in medical problems in pregnancy who are able to deal with patients with kidney disease. However, if the diseases that you have that cause your kidney disease or your medications or your history is complicated, we may recommend that you have your antenatal care in a specialist center that has got obstetrics, kidney medicine, and neonatal medicine or a neonatal unit. So that's for the little babies very close together so that they can all coordinate your care and it makes it easy. But it's not a requirement for every kidney patient. And a cesarean section is not a requirement for every kidney patient, which I think for some people is a relief to hear. And for other people, it's not a relief to hear that. And what about breastfeeding? So just like natural delivery, we would recommend that women breastfeed if they would like to. And for the most part, most of the drugs that they are on during pregnancy are safe for breastfeeding. So even medications such as tacrolimus or cyclosporin, which are immunosuppressants, we know a small amount does get into the baby. But if you compare that to the benefits of all the antibodies they get from the mother and all the nutrients you get from the mother and the bonding and the sort of well-being that's associated with breastfeeding, those far outweigh this tiny, tiny risks of that small amount of immunosuppressants in the breast milk. So there are some blood pressure tablets. So the ACE inhibitors and the angiotensin receptor blockers, Ramipril, et cetera, that you can't have in the early stages of breastfeeding. We don't recommend, but there is one that we can put you on. So if you do struggle with leaking protein, one particular tablet in Nalapril is, is safe in, in breastfeeding and we can put you, you on that. And it's individual. If you are someone who your disease has flared during your pregnancy, but we've got you to a safe place and the baby's been born and healthy and we need to treat you with something that is not safe for the baby, then you have alternatives to breastfeeding. So you don't have to worry about that. We can obviously put you on medications that aren't safe with breastfeeding. But I think it's nice to know that for the most part, we would encourage, and it's absolutely safe for kidney disease patients to breastfeed their babies for as long as they want to. I just have a, I don't know what to call it, question. You know how like when women have a kidney transplant, the kidney is put at the front, isn't it? So if they get pregnant, does it push the transplanted kidney out of the way? Like what happens physically? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And we do actually get asked that question quite a lot. The tummy has an amazing ability to just create space. And we have had... We were talking about it in our clinic that just this last week, I think we've had a lady who had three or four kidneys in. So she's had three or four transplants in the past. They were all still in and she had a successful pregnancy. Wow. So one of the questions people do ask us is whether there is any risk of to the transplant if they need a cesarean section. And there is a risk and it is very low. And it's a risk that people haven't really spoken about before. So if you go and look in the published literature, there's not a lot about this. But at my hospital, we had an incident where a patient had an emergency C-section to save her life and to save the baby's life. And there was an injury to the kidney. The kidney did survive after that, though it did cause problems for the mum. And we thought, oh my goodness, this is, you know, so rare. This doesn't happen. No one has ever written about it. But when we started asking around, it turns out in most renal units, they've at least had one episode where 
the transplant may have been damaged in an emergency C-section. So the important thing is, again, that your pregnancy as a transplant patient, that it's planned, that it's clearly written in your notes that you've got a transplant. If you've had a complicated, some of our patients have had lots of surgeries to their tummy before. So then the obstetrician might decide that it's better to do an elective C-section because if you wait for natural and then need an emergency, you're much more likely to get into trouble. And sometimes we plan to do not the fan and steel, which is the nice bikini line C-section. <laughs> we do an up and down because that would be safer if we think so in those particular patients. But it's a very rare complication for the kidney to be injured by a C-section. Much more aware of it now. So for someone who is looking at that as a transplant patient, being aware that you might not have that neat scar that a woman in different circumstances would have. Absolutely. I think just being aware. And I think for a lot of our patients, unfortunately, a pregnancy is going to be just more medicalized then other women, you'll need much more follow-up. Usually it's, you know, two appointments every two weeks or sometimes every month if you're really lucky. You'll end up having more scans. You're more likely to come into hospital for the baby earlier. You're unlikely to be able to have a lovely home birth. It's going to be more medicalized. I think people do need to understand that. For the most part, though, I think people know that, appreciate that, and are actually grateful that they are going to have the support throughout the pregnancy. But yes, they're more likely to need a cesarean section and it might need to be not the fan and steel. So not a lovely little scar that can be hidden. So you've covered the risks, the importance of planning the pregnancy and everything associated with that. And some of this can be quite difficult to hear, but this is information that really needs to be out there because One of the things for me is not setting people up to fail. So sometimes the hard stuff has to be said so that people are giving the full picture. And sometimes that picture can be a very difficult thing to hear. But on the flip side, there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And so what final word would you like to give to the listeners about pregnancy and CKD? Thank you. Yes, I think it can be very hard. Some of the conversations that we have are very difficult. And, you know, having a family is such an important part to many people. And it is very difficult if you've got kidney disease. But I think what I hope has come across is that for many women with kidney disease, a healthy pregnancy is a real possibility. However, it needs to be carefully planned. And the earlier you do the planning, the easier it will be, all the better it will be. So you need to talk to your family, talk to your partner, then talk to your medical team and ask to get referred to a pre-pregnancy counseling clinic. And we are more than happy to see people even when they're not ready to fall pregnant. We're more than happy to see people so that they can think about things and plan things. And then we may see them later along down the line when they are ready to proceed just to see if their risks have changed. And then the other thing I'd just like to say is come back to my bugbear about contraception and to please, please, please all consider making sure you're on formal contraception. If you're having sexual relations or may have sexual relations with a man and therefore may fall pregnant, (laughs) 
because as we've discussed, you know, there are a lot of medications that are harmful to a baby and an unplanned pregnancy is not ideal for patients with a chronic kidney disease. But we are here to support you in whatever decision you make. And it may not be what the doctors advise in inverted commas, but we will support those decisions and hoping we've given you all the information. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've learned so much today about all the misconceptions and myths around pregnancy, but also how much options there are. And it's so good to hear that there are so many options and so much help available and so much advice and counsel and support there. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing such amazing information. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.